0: The man purchased a lot of real estate just north of Chicago. Chicago was expanding at the time, and so there was a good chance that his real estate would only appreciate in value. But real estate isn't always guaranteed to appreciate. And in this case, it didn't. He purchased the land of the spring of 1871. The Great Chicago Fire was the fall of 1871. And in the three and a half square miles that the Great Chicago Fire consumed, much of this man's real estate burned up as well. Still, he and his family were safe, and that was all that mattered. A selfless man, he helped the city of Chicago get back on their feet after the fire. And two years later, in 1873, he planned a family trip. They were going to go to Europe and visit a friend. But the day before the trip came the father had business to tend to back in the States, so he sent on his wife and kids ahead of him. Upon arriving safely in England, his wife sent back the telegram of these two words, saved alone. His wife made it safely to Europe, but his 11-year-old, 9-year-old, 5-year-old, and 2-year-old daughter all died in the shipwreck that his wife survived. When he heard the news he left for england to spend time with his wife and it said that as he was crossing the atlantic ocean the very ocean that claimed the lives of his four daughters he penned the words to this song when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul Though Satan should buffet though trials should come let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul my sin oh the bliss of this glorious thought my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul and Lord haste the day when our faith shall be sight The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trumpet shall sound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. I can't imagine going through tragedy like that. Losing your investment, most of your retirement fund, if you want to call it that. Losing your four kids when you try to go and have a vacation, a nice time with your family where would you even begin to move on how would you begin to function in view of all of this heartbreak and I don't know how he could do it let alone write the words to this song that we just sang the book of lamentations was written during a time of devastation the author laments the judgment that God's people had received they're in a sorry state And in the middle of this book is a section of verses that don't seem to match up with the rest of this lament. It doesn't match the tone. Verses that in the midst of suffering find something that you don't expect to find in suffering. It offers the unexpected. It offers hope. Open your Bibles with me to Lamentations chapter 3 as I read verses 18 through 26. And I invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. Lamentations 3, starting at verse 18 and reading through verse 26. So I say my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning great is your faithfulness the lord is my portion says my soul therefore i have hope in him the lord is good to those who wait for him to the person who seeks him it is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the lord father god we thank you for your word we thank you that it is truth and that your word points us to you and what you have done for us Father, as we look at this word today, we pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds to receive this message that you have for us. Father, give us hope as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Hope is lost. Tradition assigns this book to the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the prophet of God who wrote the longest book in the Bible, the prophet of God who was the prophet to God's people during the downfall of Judah. He was given a tough assignment. It wasn't easy to be Jeremiah, to fulfill the job that God called him to do. It was full of pain, full of agony, and he had a front row seat to the suffering that God's people endured for their own judgment because he himself was experiencing it too. In the first part of chapter 3, Jeremiah explains the suffering that he goes through. And as we get to verse 18, we see its result. We see what all of his suffering was. He dwells on his suffering, where that leads him. Verse 18 says this, So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. My strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. These words aren't the words of a brand new believer who is experiencing suffering for the first time. These words aren't someone who has never experienced suffering before. These words aren't some words of someone who doesn't know who the Lord is. These are the words of a prophet who has been serving the Lord faithfully for over 40 years at this time. And what does he say? My strength has failed and my hope in the Lord is gone. Sure, he's had his own ups and downs, his own failures and victories, but here he has finally reached a point where he declares his strength is gone. And not just his strength, but his hope. His hope in the Lord is lost. How did he get here? How did he get here from 40 years of faithful service to the Lord to a hopeless wreck? The passage continues on, verses 19 and 20. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Jeremiah is remembering the affliction he's gone through. All the trials, all the hard times, all the pain, all the suffering, all of the bitter times that he has been through. And he's focusing on these things. He's saying, I remember these things. I'm thinking about these things. It's a common experience that each one of us has. Each one of us in our own lives has gone through some suffering at one point or another, and I can just about guarantee you will go through suffering again before God calls you home. And in those times, where is our focus? In those times where a loved one is diagnosed with cancer, or we lose a loved one, or the rug is being swept out from under you, or you're in some mental or emotional turmoil, where is your focus in this time? These things can paralyze us when tragedy comes, it can rock our world, and it demands all of our attention, all of our energy just to put one foot in front of the other. And we can't focus on anything else it seems like, because our troubles demand all our attention. I'm not saying you should ignore your troubles. I'm not saying you should pretend they aren't real, that doesn't help anyone. But if this is our only focus, if our only focus in times of suffering is the suffering that we're going through, then we end up saying, woe is me, I have it pretty bad, and we end up losing our hope. What little hope we have will fade away because the only thing we see is our present circumstances. Your hope will fade away, and you'll find yourself in a pit of despair. Jeremiah and the nation of Judah knew that they were in a bad spot. They knew that they were under God's judgment, yet even under God's judgment, they still remained God's people. He hadn't left them. He hadn't abandoned them. Jeremiah changes his focus during his lament, and he calls something else to mind. Rather than focusing on his wormwood, on his suffering, on the trials that he goes through, rather than focusing on his circumstances, he looks to something else. And as he changes his focus... He finds something that had been lost. He finds hope. Hope is found. Verse 21, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. What is it that the prophet does to regain this hope? How does he rebound from being a hopeless wreck? How does he rebound from this experience of judgment that he's going through? And he tells us in verses 22 and 23, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness in the midst of his suffering jeremiah remembers the lord he remembers the character of the lord he remembers this unchanging truth about the unchanging god and his loving kindness never stops his compassions never fail He is always faithful. This truth, however, was tested by Jeremiah's experiences. This truth was tested by Jeremiah's present circumstances. He's suffering right now. The whole nation of Judah is suffering. How can God be compassionate? In the midst of judgment, how could God be loving? Everything about his current situation was pointing to a different truth. And here Jeremiah says, the Lord's loving kindnesses are new every morning. His compassions never fail. So which one is it? Is God loving? Is God compassionate? Are these things really new every morning for everyone? Because right now, for Jeremiah, right now for you, if you are in the midst of suffering, it doesn't seem like it, does it? Have you ever found yourself asking a similar question. How can this be true about God when I'm experiencing this right now? We have a problem. We have a problem in our society today, in our culture today. If we ever want to say some truth to somebody, we say, in my experience, this is what happened for me. And all of a sudden, you've just said an infallible statement. No one can say that's not true because they're trying to negate your experiences. In our society today, experience equals truth. But that's not always the case. We have to view our experiences from the proper angle. Once you tune your ears to this whole idea of experience being truth, you'll find it everywhere you go. I do it myself all the time as well. When you go to a store and you buy something or a restaurant and they give you the receipt at the bottom, it probably has a little survey that says, tell us how we're doing so we can improve. Or there's websites that are dedicated for people's feedback on how your experience was. Because people know that advertising, people can just dismiss. But experiences, you can't just write those off. Experiences are truth. Sometimes experiences trump advertising. Sometimes experience even trumps truth. So what's true? Jeremiah's truth claim about God or his experiences that he's going through right now? Is God loving? Is God gracious? Is God compassionate? Where does Jeremiah's hope come from? He's, always, he's already tried looking at his circumstances, looking at his experiences. He's tried that. Verse 18 says where that led, where that led him. His strength perished and his hope disappeared. But instead, he places his hope in a different source. He finds hope in a different source, a source outside of him, a source outside of his own experiences, a source in someone who will never change, a source in someone who has always been there, will always be there. He places his hope, he finds his hope in the Lord. Even when he doesn't understand what's going on at this stage of life, he remembers who God is. He remembers the Lord's character. And he rests in the fact that the Lord is good. He rests in the fact that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He rests in the fact that the Lord's covenant faithfulness never ends and never runs out and that the Lord never fails. When our hope and our trust is in such a firm foundation, then even in the midst of the darkest nights we find ourselves in, we too can testify along with this hymn writer, it is well with my soul. Because ultimately, the fate of our souls isn't determined by our feelings. The fate of our souls isn't determined by our experiences. It isn't determined by our own views of reality either. The fate of our souls are in the hands of a God who is gracious and compassionate, whose loving kindness is new every morning, and that includes today and tomorrow and the next and the next. So wherever you find yourself today, find your hope in the fact that God is there, that God's faithfulness never ends. Find your hope in the fact that God is saving you from your present circumstances, there is no better place to find it. When our hope is placed in him, when we recall this truth to our minds of who this God is, who is in charge, and what, the char- what his character is like, then, and only then, can we have peace. We can confess with the prophet, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I have hope in him. What better place is there? This is where you find comfort. This is where you find peace. This is where you find hope. And this hope that we find, this hope that is ours, is sure. Hope is sure. How do we know? How do we know for sure that this hope isn't going to disappoint us like so many other promises that have been made to us in the past? How do we know that this time we won't be let down? How do we know that this time, in the end, it won't all be for naught? And you could say, well, he's always been there for me, and that's true, he has. But again, that truth claim is resting on our own experiences. What about for the person who doesn't feel like God has always been there for him? You going up to them and saying, he's always been there for me, doesn't really help them out much, does not No. We have to have universal truth experience isn't a litmus test to determine universal truth instead we've been given something else that is always true we have to rest on something more than just a track record so we go back to the standard of truth we go back to God's Word and what does God's Word say how does the prophet finish out this section he says this the Lord is good to those who wait for him To the person who seeks him, it is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is good. Wait for the salvation of the Lord. The prophet is waiting for the salvation of the Lord, knowing that this life right now, this judgment that they are under right now, isn't all the the whole rest of the story. Salvation is coming. Salvation is coming from the Lord. He puts his hope once again in the promises of the God who never changes. The promise of the God who said he will deliver them from their present circumstances. Puts his hope in the God who has promised salvation. And he puts his hope in the truth that God is saving him. And it might not always look the prettiest. When you go into surgery for a life-saving operation, the doctor can't really do much without the scalpel. He needs to first cut in, we put our trust in the hope and the fact and the truth that God is saving us, regardless of our present circumstances that we find ourselves in. Salvation was coming for Jeremiah and for the, for the nation of Judah. Salvation is coming for you, too. And salvation has come in Christ. Paul writes this for us in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 1, he writes these words, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given for us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For One will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the basis of our hope. The basis of our hope isn't in our present circumstances. The basis for our hope isn't in our past experiences. It's not in how you're feeling today. And your basis for hope isn't even in how your relationship with God is currently at this moment. Our basis for hope is in the fact that Christ has accomplished peace for you with God. Our basis for hope is that the love of God has been poured out for you in Christ as he suffered on the cross for your sins. The basis of hope is that Christ has given you the Holy Spirit to remind you of what Christ has done for you. And the basis of our hope is that at the end of our life, when we take our last breath here on this earth, the next breath will be before the presence of God, knowing that we stand justified by Christ And his work and so as we understand this truth we can face the present circumstances that we're in knowing that these circumstances eventually won't matter in eternity but God is currently saving me the basis of our hope is that salvation has come through Christ and so whatever our trials or tribulations come our way whatever your experiences might be meditate on this truth the truth of God's word that the Lord is good to those who wait for him and wait silently for the salvation of the Lord because it is in fact coming as the gospel lesson this morning said if I go to prepare a place for you I am coming back for you and I will come and bring you so that you may be where I am always his loving kindness never stops his compassions never fail They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Recall this truth to mind and hope in the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. You are gracious. You are loving. You are kind. Your loving kindness never stops. Your love never fails and it never runs out on us. We thank you and we praise you for this truth. Great is your faithfulness, O God. In the times in our lives where experiences tend to to have us look more at ourselves, look more at our own problems that we have in our lives, Lord, help us to remember this truth about who you are. Help us to believe the truth of your word that you are saving us and the Christ that you have accomplished peace with God for us. We thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior. We thank you that your love never fails. We thank you that your mercies are new each and every morning. And in this truth, we find hope. Thank you for the hope that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.